other side of the news is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Welcome. My name is Timothy Saunders. I'm one of your trio of co-hosts on this 96th edition of The Other Side of the News. I am speaking to you from southwest Turkey, where the sun is about to rise. And we'll soon be joined by Kintia from her infamous wheelhouse nearby San Francisco, and then this is Driscoll, who is also currently in California, where the sun has recently set. This show is entitled Empire of Lies. Firstly, I'd like to wish you all happy Earth Day, although having found the United Nations rather flat-looking logo present following their involvement since 1992, this significantly raises my concerns about the fundamental reasoning behind their suggested celebrations today, bearing in mind carbon dioxide, a rare gas in our atmosphere required by vegetation to create oxygen through photosynthesis, only amounts to a minuscule 0.04% of our atmosphere, while nitrogen makes up the lion's share, leaving oxygen content at only 21%. There is much evidence to prove the Earth and our solar system continue to move through multiple great cycles, which bring on long periods of temperature fluctuations and changes. Unfortunately, the scientists who support this view and their papers are targeted by high-level censorship. However, with just a little independent research with your common sense activated, one can gather this purposely obscured information reveals man-made climate change is yet another in a series of the minorities' global scams. If you still believe sea levels are about to rise due to us putting our pedal on the metal or bovine flatulence, then you may ask yourself how many million and billionaires continue buying up beachfront properties. That is not to say I'm against treating Earth with more responsibility. However, I do believe she is big enough and experienced enough to look after herself. I believe we should devise safe methods to generate clean energy. We should not flush pharmaceuticals and chemicals down our drains. Many medicines that enter our drain system have half-lives of tens, hundreds, even thousands of years. There's so much estrogen in our water and beer supply. Is it any wonder so many men look and behave less like previous generations? Is it any wonder how gender transition has become such a popular subject? And is it any wonder how there are so many children affected by allergies and worse, like autism, to name just a couple of modern 
ailments, despite increasing numbers of injections from the moment they leave the womb. And this huge cocktail of toxins then dumped down in the form of raw sewage into our river systems and oceans. Bravo! Perhaps we should celebrate World Parasite Day to yeah, celebrate our own irresponsibility. So humanity is falsely made to feel guilty and then charged for their CO2 emissions or carbon footprint, to use work speak. This not only affects the extraction of fossil fuels, transport power generation, and the use of plastics very negatively, but opens up huge grants to government-sponsored billionaire golden boys, such as Musk, Bezos, and Gates, to develop new technologies, such as solar and wind farms, electric cars, etc., many of which are no better for the environment once the hype and marketing is redacted. The minority, through their government finger puppets, dictate people have to suffer for potentially creating tiny variations around the already minuscule 0.04% CO2 in the atmosphere. A similar model is used in relation to COVID. Humanity is made to suffer due to tiny amounts uh, of rebranded flu, whether natural or modified, whether accidentally or intentionally released, which affects less than 3% of the global population. And what happened to normal flu in the last two years, by the way? Did it really vanish? Well, that's pretty convenient. But how can so many be misguided by so few, mainly due to ignorance, due to mass formation, psychosis, and generations of programming? all at the hand of malicious puppet masters and puppet leaders. And now we seamlessly move into the Ukrainian variant. Why run this major distraction now? Well, the answer most likely comes due to the increasing difficulty in keeping the COVID narrative alive any longer. It was becoming unbelievable, even to the sheep riding the conveyor belt of life. Or maybe the minority's initial objective has been reached. How so? Well, the facts were the ones who were ultimately filling the hospitals and mortuaries, not to mention the millions of people who have suffered adverse reactions, all while the unvaxxed are still not dying off. Have you noticed how 769 sports people and counting have collapsed due to the heart and stroke issues in the last 12 months alone? That represents many hundred percent more than recorded in previous years. Did you buy into the cover story? Apparently, the referee's whistle, which punctuates many of these games, is suddenly thought to be sufficiently detrimental to trigger a cardiac arrest. Whistles must have used a different tone prior to 2020 then. Further, unexpected numbers of people started to demonstrate. Millions regularly took to the streets in mass demonstrations, and in later months, many of these brought their trucks with them, as we saw in Canada, until the government resorted to emergency tyrannical measures in an attempt to bring order. In fact, Canada remains at the cutting edge of eroding the rights and freedoms of their citizens. Private bank accounts have been violated, and now Trudeau has brought in legislation that basically bans journalists that do not agree with his regime. Unfortunately, many people still look up to and follow the example set by the politicians. They believe they elected to power to serve them, and their nation. However, something has gone very wrong with this in recent decades. The illusion of democracy is still strong, and many elections do little more 
and create artificial cycles to distract and pacify the masses, all while a sequential global agenda is relentlessly rolled out in plain sight. Look at the current leaders in the USA. Kamala Harris continues to give press releases littered with cackles with the intellectual complexity of a kindergarten teacher, or if she's simply on something. And Professor Joe not only is shaking hands with imaginary people next to the podium, but he is incapable of even reading the teleprompter. What level of medication is he on? These puppets bring all new meaning to people high in government. Let's not be unfair, it's not just the US government. What about Trudeau? Notice any signs of hypocrisy regarding freedom and sovereignty every time this premier puppet opens his mouth? And Bojo, UK prime clown, who clearly is trying to improve his standing by dropping in on his new buddy in Kiev, rather than face the fact he was caught out telling barefaced lies to the nation in relation to Partygate. Then there is Macron, who has a very suspect relationship with his much older partner, Bridget, a person with a very mysterious past. Why is he so concerned with what is going on at Azovstal in Mariupol? Why so many rescue attempts? Why the blockade? Are there NATO forces in there or perhaps VIPs? If Macron wins the election, it will be very interesting to see his first acts in relation to the Ukraine. And then there is Zelensky himself, the actor come actor who is employed to create an illusion that people would follow, a successful individual who has become far more wealthy than most would ever guess, a man who also showed up in the Panama Papers. The list goes on. It has come to the point where it is far easier to speculate how few leaders are honest. What do these guys all have in common, apart from them all being finger puppets? Well, they seem to be professional liars, employed to act out their various roles in accordance with the same script in lockstep. Many openly show they have common allegiances with selected organizations such as the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Group. But more than this, they all seem to have their, lost their way as positive human role models. Most of them show an unhealthy hunger for power with inverted and often perverse tendencies. Among those who do not fall for the mainstream narrative that Putin is the ultimate bad guy, there are many who see him as a savior. While he may appear to be more clear-headed than many of his rivals, and while there seems to be relatively more logic in his decision-making than many around him, it is important to question if he is in fact simply acting out his role in the current theater of war, and he too has connections with the World Economic Forum. How do you feel about the way this new decade is developing? If you don't yet feel furious about the COVID pandemic, shutting down the world in lockstep for a rebranded flu, if you don't yet feel furious about the kinetic war in the Ukraine, this latest chapter has been going on for circa eight years with origins going back for centuries, if you don't yet feel furious about the increase in energy prices, it's the same fossil fuels in the same wells. And if you don't yet feel furious about the global hikes in inflation, ah, it's a government trick to charge you extra tax. If you don't yet feel furious about impending food shortages, which have been designed, and if you don't yet feel furious 
about man-made climate change. Yeah, it's a scam. Agreements previously made in Paris and more recently at COP26 is simply a way to usher in more changes, increases in tax, uh, all while opening more coal mines and coal power stations. Yes, there are another 28 years before the rules uh, cut in, the 2050 rules, that is. Then I believe it really is time to ask yourself what would make you feel furious? It is said, if you're not part of the solution, then you are part of the problem. Are you complicit? Did you choose for any of this? Do you support any of this? If the answer is less, yes, take another look. If the answer is no, are you happy to continue paying for this? I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path for leaders to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com where you will see quick links to our independent Rumble and Telegram platforms. Details for each show, which include links to our bios, show items, references, and selected research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to download your own copies sooner than later, as the censorship robots work around the clock to rewrite history in real time. During the last week, we've been flooded with more remarkable events and headlines reported in their news to discuss, validate, present each topic in correct context could all easily fill up an entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and introduce our return guest, Max Egan. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Anessa. Did you hear Zelensky has been given a media award for freedom? Who else do you think deserves one of those? <laughs> That's laughable. <laughs> Oh, maybe he needs the Nobel I Peace guess, Prize like yeah. Obama got. Yeah, maybe Trudeau should get the other award. I think get, give it a few more weeks. I think it's probably it's in the pipeline, probably. Oh, oh that the is gas just pipeline. too much. Yeah. Oh, my well, God. Yeah, well, you know, I you were talking about Furious, and I had to reflect on what's going on in Shanghai. And I'm so glad to see <laughs> the people there finally, you know, going into revolt instead of just complicitly going along with it. It's refreshing, if not painful, to see them and feel their suffering. I, I feel like, okay, if, imagine if all those billions of people rise up. That could be, that could be the turn. And I'm all for it, Annette. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's the whole, that's always been the problem, right? There's there's about 3,000 of these critters that are running the rest of the 8 billion, which is just ridiculous ratio. So, but uh, on that on that front, um, a few examples of what's been going on this week is what's going on with uh, Disney um, and that people are very upset now that they realize that, you know, it's really a gigantic pedophile ring um and although a lot of people don't want to come to that reality that's starting to become so blatantly obvious you can't avoid it uh and also the whole thing with the um you know they've they've perverted the the don't say gay bill which is actually an anti-grooming bill it never says anything about gay in it actually if you read it but uh you know that's brought up all the stuff uh they revoked disney's um 
they had basically had their own government for 39 acres in Florida that wasn't under any kind of other, uh, you know, didn't pay taxes, didn't, you know, was basically a sovereign nation within Florida. They revoked that um, this week, 17 to, to 23. It went through the uh, House of Representatives, went on to the Senate, and now it just has to be uh, signed into law by DeSantis, um, who is promoting that. So that's really interesting. And in the meantime, uh, Disney stock has fallen 35% because people are like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to support this evil um, company that's trying to pervert our children and and do all these crimes uh, to them. And so that's, that's really interesting. And then there's the whole thing with the um, Netflix kind of suffering the same fate because they, they keep releasing movies that are, um, you know, promoting this, you know, this perversion of young children that shouldn't even really have that brought up into their consciousness. I mean, I don't know, as a six-year-old, I wasn't thinking about my sexual preferences. I don't think most of us were. And so why should this all be happening like this? And, um, you know, that's the parent's job anyway. So that's, you know, uh, Netflix is suffering. They've had a 37% um, drop in their stock value. Twitter is, is falling into oblivion. Um, so this is very interesting. And then my favorite of all is the, the potato head network, uh, you know, the, uh, communist news network over there decided they were going to put out this, um, uh, I don't know, this subscription service where you get to pay for your propaganda this way. And, uh, they, they're really, so I don't know. I, I listened to some interesting commentaries, but they're either it's either a wild part of the movie, like this is being just put out there for us to for people to like wake up and see what's going on, or these people are so high up in their ivory towers and out of touch with reality they don't know what's going on. But at any rate, um, in case you hadn't heard, uh, they spent three hundred million dollars to develop this. They had Chris Wallace famously left a network. They had all these people that they brought in. I'm wondering the who they bring is- them. So they is CNN, right? See, the, yeah, the subscription <laughs> service is CNN. Yes, and they brought all these people in, and then they, they launched it April 1st, and they announced yesterday, um, April 21st, that they will be shutting it down April 30th. So they spent $300,000 to have a – well, that, that's a pretty expensive network to have it on for 30 days. Um, and, yeah, nobody, nobody, you know, nobody's buying what they're selling. And it's it's really magnificent that people are at least getting to the point where they're starting to, you know, say, hey, no more. And and it really shows the power of the people, how they can stand up and change the reality of things and say, no more. Like, what's going on in China is absolutely horrific. But, yeah, you guys need to stand up and, and do this. We all have to stand up in our own ways. So I actually, um, I, I thought it was, there's so many things going on. I mean, we would take the whole show just to talk about what's happened this week, but so many fantastic things going on and I'm feeling very good about that. And um, I will just say one last thing uh, about that, the whole thing of what's going on is we're having these major things happening with the economy. I don't think this show is going to be really focused that way, but um, some massive things happening. The uh, producer price index hit 11.5%. This week, that's the highest ever increase ever in history. This is really bad. Um, 
And then they, they have also adjusted the prediction of a 5.7% growth and changed it to a 3.2% growth, which is basically the differential there is they've cut what they expect to produce in the, in the world, not just this country, by half for 2022. So there's a whole bunch of things that are happening. Um, there's, it's a domino effect from the, the Russia, uh, you know, the embargo essentially. And I really think that we're going to see a lot of this really hit the fan because I, I think they're holding, you know, France is holding back right now until they get this um, election done because, you know, it seems like, oh, that's not related, but it's all related, of course. And I really think they're holding back on doing that embargo with the Russians until they, they want to get their boy in. Um, and I don't know what's going on, but um, his, uh, competition there suddenly came up really ill today. So we have to follow that and see what's going on. But uh, some interesting stuff happening for sure. That's, that's that. Are you referring to Le Pen? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, she yeah, came up um, critically ill all of a sudden. Out of nowhere. Mm, amazing. Well, mm, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, as you say, it's like a waterfall. It, it's... Uh, it's very early morning here, as I pointed out, but literally, as I was going to sleep last night, I, I saw this about three, four more points I needed to add into this, this, um, into this part of the show, but it, it just never ends. Mm, you, know, mm-hmm. you also mm. mentioned about the inflation rates. Again, let's, let's just cover that. Otherwise, you know, we, I don't want to bring that into Max's part of the show, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, I think you are saying it's going up to 11% in the U.S., something in that, in that range. Well, that's, that's the producer price index. Yes. So that's what yeah. it's costing to manufacture, which is the highest ever reported. Um, I, right now they're saying the consumer price index, which is what they base the inflation on, is 8.5%. But the, but the real factor right now, actually, if you multiply it by reality, that factor uh it's really about 25 percent if you look at what's going on the the way they do this just so people know they i think it was i want to say it was like 86 i might be wrong on that year but they 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 decided to come in with this thing they called substitution so let's say you're you've got the price of a ribeye steak that's what they used to have i think and um they they would have how much that costs right and that that was part of the they have all these different things where they say how much is a pound of bacon and how much is a steak and how much is a gallon of gas and they had all these different things and that's how they would calculate it that's well, not woke enough anymore is it <laughs> well well you'll love this even better so they come up with this idea of substitution and so they say well you know the steak is this so chicken's 60 percent less so we're going to substitute chicken and of course they never go back the other direction right so now, you know, what, so they still call it steak, but it's substituted with chicken. Well, we can't buy steak at the price of chicken. And it, it's deceptive in so many ways, but it's also how they calculate all of the benefits. Of, so someone on welfare or food stamps or whatever, they're supposed to be able to live on this amount of money calculated at like what this is 8.5%, which is the highest uh, increase in 40 years since they went to the petrodollar. Uh, idea since mm. that whole debacle hit and then after that calmed down then this is the biggest jump since then so so what you have that is like well these people you know they, they'll never go backwards on it in other words we're never going to go back to steak even though it says it's steak 
I mean, yeah. it's completely false. Everything about it's false. So if you're on food stamps, you've actually really had an average of a 25% increase, uh, yeah. let's say, and, but they're, they're probably, only saying it's 8.5. They'll probably change it to like sort of uh, mealworm burgers or something instead of steak in the future. Right. right. Yeah. That, that's the next thing. Cricket burgers. Yeah. Cricket burgers. Yeah. There we go. Well, yeah. I noticed also in, in Germany, a, a figure was banded around. I think it was their producer index figure. It was something in the region of 30%. That's, that's pretty high for Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany is traditionally known for being sort of pretty efficient about uh, production. And, uh, and yeah. here, in, here in Turkey, uh, we are well and truly into the 60-something percent. And that's the official figure. So that's what that's right. adjust, after adjustment, I should oh. say. Well, you know, here, here's the reality. So, like, if they do this thing in France, which I do believe they're going to do, well, France is going to go into this thing with the embargo, and they're getting most of their oil. We only get 3% in the U.S. of our oil from Russia. So this whole idea that they're blaming all this on Russia is just it's absurd. But let's just look at, at what's going on in France. Right now, the cost of crude is $100 a barrel, approximately. It's, it's running right around there. They expect it to go to 189 as soon as this happens. Now, if you look at how that will affect everything around the planet when it goes up to 189, I mean, what, do you, what gets produced with oil? Pretty much everything. If it's not produced with oil, it's, you know, it's, it's delivered with oil. It's machinery that harvests with oil. So we've, we've got this thing, and, and what it does is it starts to affect everything. And one of the things that people have had, like, a lot of stability around is the price of rice. Rice has not really moved around much through this. Well, if you move it up to 189 a barrel, all of a sudden rice goes sky high, and then you have hunger in a lot of the world that's rice-based, and you'll get social unrest. So you start to see how this, the sanctions just really move through. And then the only way they can control, the feds can control this, is to have this interest rates go up. And right now, so 25-point 20, uh, uh, basis uh, increase, which is a quarter of a percent, is this the normal? Now they're saying that you know, 50, uh, a 50 point basis is a big increase. Well, the St. Louis Feds this week said, yeah, we're thinking of doing 75. They do 75, uh, you know, the three quarters of a percent increase, and they're expecting to have six to eight of these this year. They do that, the whole economy will come to a halt. You'll have about an 80 percent drop in your. Op, uh, bonds and, and stocks and the housing market will, the bottom will fall out. So we're talking like really serious stuff right now. And this is all, if you look at it, it's all a fallout from, you know, the uh, brand and they're occupying the uh, White House. So, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And somehow it's all Putin's fault. Because mm-hmm. even 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 the uh, top guy, I forget his name, in in Netflix was blaming the share crash on Putin's invasion of Ukraine. So now it might have to do with they're they're putting out a movie trying to say that men can get pregnant and give birth. You know, the people are kind of pissed off about that. Well, so. there was there was actually this report on Telegram. I saw it of a man who did give birth, <laughs> and and. Uh, Someone tried to say with you, a woman, he says, what, are you a biologist? Referring to the comment about the judge. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'll, I'll have to download that video. I'll put it on the page. It's too much. Yeah. 
Oh, I wanted to say one other thing, just to put this in perspective for, for people, like if you're panicking and, you know, like there are safe places for your money, which would look like precious metals and, and things like that. So if you look at traditionally, if you look at a quarter percent interest rate increase, um, the last time that happened, which was just uh, just shortly ago, it, it had caused an $800 increase on an ounce of gold. So it's pretty significant. <laughs> yeah. So it's not all, you know, you know, when you, when you cut off a, a country like Russia that hasn't, hasn't defaulted on any of their loans since uh, uh, what, 1917, um, they, you know, and then they say, well, you can't pay cause you, you can't, we, we won't take rubles. Um, but they took them off the SWIFT system. It's it's just a really, the, the geopolitical stuff on this is enormous. So anyway, that's, I could go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> well, I, I think it's, oh, we're close to break. I was going to say we ought to bring Max on, but, uh, um, well, I could do this by, no, let's do that after the break. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, Keith, I'm going to take us to break now. <laughs> You're listening <laughs> to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Max Egan, and the show is called Empire of Lies. Yes. <laughs> and co-hosting tonight are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinsey, and we'll return after the break. This woman named Violet, she's got a 16-year-old son who's autistic, and she kept trying to file for an exemption for the mask. And the teachers were, you know, they refused, and they were really right up in his face trying to keep this mask on him all day because he was clearly uncomfortable and agitated with it. Well, he got to a point where he's doing physical harm to himself, so he had to be placed in a mental institution. So Violet decided to go down and acquire the bond of her superintendent, her the assistant superintendent, the treasurer, and the assistant treasurer. And this superintendent turned out to be bonded for $4.6 million per claim. So Violet went ahead and uh, served this woman a letter of intent to file a claim against her surety bond. And when you file a letter of intent, you basically have to list their violations. Then in this case, she had concluded that this woman had broken 27 state, federal, and international laws, including color of law. And she served this woman along with 10 other friends per Mm -hmm. claim, $4.6 million per claim. Wow. So we're looking at 40 plus million in in (laughs) potential liability. So needless to say, the superintendent went on the run. This was over the Christmas break. uh, And she tried to call the police. (laughs) She tried to get the sheriff involved and she literally went missing for a week. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And uh, when school came back in session, Violet went ahead and served her in person. So six days later, so what you have to do is you have to give them this letter of intent. And in that letter, you have to declare what you want them to do to resolve the problem. So she asked this superintendent to one, drop the mask mandates, two, admit that she was wrong when it came to her son, and three, to resign. The woman did nothing. So on day six, Violet went down and filed the claim. 
And this claims adjuster really had no idea what to do. You know, they're looking around for the forms like, oh, this has never mm-hmm. happened. You know, oh, right, geez. right. And uh, so Violet went in for the claims. The very next day, they had a, a private meeting, but it was recorded with their counsel. And we have their counsel uh, on record communicating to the board of directors. They actually used the phrase, we should buy some more beer and heroin because you guys are in deep trouble. We had oh to stop gosh. all state and federal funding. They had to um, drop all the mask mandates. They had to start calling in parents to assist because they couldn't pay their teachers. And they left the superintendent out to dry with this $4.6 million in liability. So a week later, Violet felt quite guilty and she had gotten what she'd wanted. They had removed the mask mandate. So she went ahead and she retracted her claim out of a, a measure of good faith to let this woman know, hey, I do have this power. I don't intend to overuse it. You need to back down. Well, what did she do? She went right back to her old ways, put the mask mandate right back in place um, uh, and, and acted like nothing had ever happened. So Violet went ahead and filed another claim because she can and the problem is not resolved and uh, and anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. Hi, this is Mickey Klon and it was such a joy and pleasure to meet with Kinthea, Annetta and Timothy on the other side of the news. And welcome back to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Max Egan, and our show is called Empire of Lies. So Max Egan is a world-renowned thought leader and Australian activist. At his core, he is an artist, both musical and visual, and as such is a quantum thinker, breaking the chains of linear thinking. His current focus is to free humanity from the ignorance of the globalist crimes and to caution us to in the dangers of living by default. Ultimately, his broad experience of humanity makes him uniquely capable of fresh insights and far-reaching implications. You can find Max's work by Googling The Crow House, all one word, The Crow House, on Telegram or on Rumble and BitChute. You can also... Uh, search for Max Egan on other alternative media and Rumble. Uh, Max recently left Australia just in time to escape being locked in, locked down and locked in. And uh, he traveled uh, to Mexico, U.S., and now he's back in Mexico. Uh, I want to welcome you, Max, to the other side of the news. Nice to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's such a pleasure. In fact, you've been on twice before, and I'm going to put the other shows in your links as well. Folks, if you go to the show page, you will see several of his videos, um, and they will astound you. He is an amazing thinker. So I'm curious to hear about your exit from Australia, and then I have some other questions I'd like to delve into. The exit from Australia was um, was kind of surreal. I mean, I just got a, an, an intuitive feeling that I should go, and I, I did, and it was it was really surreal leaving. Like, 
uh, walking through an empty airport with all the lights out and, and being on this huge aircraft with only eight people on the plane and having to travel to Singapore and then wait like 10 hours or something in Singapore and then fly 16 hours to the United States again with, with really empty planes. It was, it was just surreal, the whole thing. But I managed to get out before they brought in the vaccine mandates and all of that sort of stuff. You can still get out with a negative test. And if you know the right people, it's not too hard to get a negative test. And so I managed to get out. I got into Mexico like two days before they changed all the visa requirements as well. So it was quite remarkable how it happened. And then a week or two weeks, I think it was about eight, eight or ten days or something after I left Australia, the police actually went around and visited my sister's house <clears throat> looking for me and saying that they wanted to find me because I'd been threatening to kill police and all sorts of rubbish that I haven't been doing. So, And then uh, they, they found that I'd left the country. And then a few days after that, they shut all my bank accounts and things down. So it was it was quite interesting, the whole thing. Mm. Well, you know, you are a beautiful demonstration of following our inner guidance because literally <laughs> you uh, got out there just in time. And we all have that quality. And uh, I always appreciate it when I see someone acting on that inner knowing. Um, it's a great demonstration for all of us of what's cap- what we're capable of. And that leads me to a conversation or a, something I heard you talking about, which is, uh, the difference between AI intelligence and autonomic intelligence. That was such an amazing concept, and I'd love for you to share with the audience uh, what you meant. Well, autonomic intelligence, any, anything that's, that's autonomic is uh, a self-regulating system, basically. Look, your body is autonomic. You're fully autonomic, which means you need a consciousness to govern your body. You know, when you've got an autonomic system that is mobile, like a human being or a dog or a cat or anything, then you need a form of consciousness to govern that organism. And even a tree is, in a sense, um, auto- I mean, it's autonomic, so it has a, a form of consciousness. We've, we've done experiments. I mean, there's actually a place in Byron Bay you can go to in Australia where they hook little wires up to trees and the trees will play musical instruments for you. And the tune depends on how you feel about the tune. You don't actually have to say anything. The tree knows whether you like it or not. And it always starts off kind of shaky and then gets more confident if you like what it's playing. If you don't like what it's playing, it changes the tune until it finds something that you do like. So it's, it's an interesting kind of a thing. I mean, anything that is autonomic has its own form of intelligence. And what we're doing with the internet is we're creating a fully autonomic internet where as we're creating a self-governing, self-regulating, self-programming, self-correcting, self-balancing, self-defensive system. You know, when you look at what we're, we're doing with the internet now with all this antiviral stuff, we're kind of giving it its own immune system. We're creating a, a form of intelligence in the cyber world without really knowing it. And when people think of artificial intelligence, they think of robots that look like us and can talk like us and will pass the Turing test and you won't know. But what about a different form of consciousness that we are creating? What about the new brain that is the internet and every person that plugs in the internet being like a neural node of that brain? And this overall intelligence is learning from everybody. And once the internet gets to a point that it is fully self-regulating, fully self-directing and fully autonomic, it will by default have its own form of consciousness because it has to. It wouldn't well, be what we would perceive artificial intelligence to be. It, it isn't even really artificial intelligence. It's more 
virtual life than artificial intelligence, you know? Mm -hmm. But it seems that even as a virtual life, it, it doesn't have a soul. I mean, oh, no, no, you regard it as having a soul. So there is like a distinction. And, and what's so, uh, well, I'm noticing in the young people how they're getting so sucked into these virtual realities where uh, you could really play out your life in virtual. And so it seems like our souls are somehow being sucked out of us or, or uh, eclipsed. Maybe that's the word, eclipse. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they're creating a soulless world. I mean, I think they are. that's a lot of what this jab's all about, is removing people's connection to source, removing people's connection to the divine. I mean, this is a kind of a soul harvest that we're going through. I mean, I've, I've called this pandemic that so many times in the past, and that's kind of what we're facing here. So it's a complete disconnection from what it means to be human and, and moving you completely into that artificially controlled world, whereby they're creating a, what I will often call a digital barrier between you and reality, you know, so that there won't be anything you can access in the real world without going through that digital world to do it, you know, so it's kind of a mirror of, of the real world and they're kind of intersecting your, your life experience and pulling you in there by default without you even knowing it, like leading you in there by putting this barrier there to start with and making it really inconvenient for you to just be a regular human. So it becomes more convenient and more attractive for you to just lie in your pod and be in a virtual world and order any, everything off Amazon. You know, So that's, that's the, the carrot, and that's the way they're leading you into it. So they make everything so difficult for you to do, all the re rules and regulations and guidelines and you know tests and checks and balances and vaccine passports and scanning in of QR codes. Soon you'll have to go through metal detectors and whatever just to walk into a building. Why is anyone going to want to go through all that when they can just lay home in their pod, get it delivered by Amazon and everything's good? So that's, that's how they lead you into it, you know? Well, what do you see as a solution to this, Max? Because you're a far thinker and I'm pressed to believe that ultimately that a soulless intelligence is going to supersede a fully quantum being such as ourselves. So what do you see as our, as our path to freedom here? Well, you know, ultimately it's going to get to the point where the human race splits into. Sorry about this beeping that's happening. I've got a UPS here and it's, uh, the power drops a lot here in Mexico. And whenever the power drops, it, uh, it beeps. So people who worry about this beeping, I can't do anything about it. So, <clears throat> but, um, the human race is going to kind of split in two. We're getting to a point now where the system is going to become so inhuman <clears throat> that, that a human life won't even be able to function properly within it. And the way to get through this is to get back in touch with your life skills. I mean, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all of these GPSs. We knew our way around our own cities. We knew how to grow our own food. We knew how to do all these things. A lot of young people today can't even write properly because they type all the time. Mm -hmm. A lot of artists can't draw properly anymore because they use digital art to do their stuff now. People have just forgotten how to do the most basic of things. And I was saying back in my first film in 2008, we're being set up for a fall. You know, what, what the internet has done, it has, has removed us of our life skills. And that's a really, really dangerous thing about it. So, you know, that's, that's really the way through this. I mean, it's going to get to a point where you're going to need to have a digital ID in order to even log online. Unless we can bring these people down, <clears throat> excuse me, 
unless there's some sort of a mass awakening and some sort of a mass uprising and we gain control of the technology ourselves, then it's going to go where it's going to go. And the problem at the moment is there are so many distractions happening while this change, this shift into this transhumanist reality is taking place. I mean, you've got all the people that are going to be dropping off from the jab. You've got this completely controlled war with Ukraine. All of the stuff that's going on at the moment, meanwhile, underneath it, the whole smart grid is consolidating its power, which is what all this has been about. It's what the pandemic's been about. It's what the smart, the, all the QR codes, all the check-ins, all the lockdowns, it's what everything has been about, moving you into this transhumanist reality. And they need all of these massive distractions around you in order to facilitate this final move into it. And that's, that's the problem that we're having with getting some type of an uprising or any type of a real pushback because people are so distracted with all this other stuff. And in the meantime, they always think that the White Hats are coming along to save them anyway. People think Putin's their best friend. People still think Trump's going to come and save them. People think Q's going to come and save them. No one's prepared to understand that we are the ones we've been waiting for. All we have to do is stop complying with all the stuff that they say. Breakdown of the food chain that's happening, the, the, everything that's happening. The way to stop all this is, is not to go to protests and like what's happening in Shanghai. But the way to, to stop it is not to protest against their government the way they're doing now. The way to stop it is to not go into lockdown in the first place. 26 million people in Shanghai. There's about three or 4,000 people in government. Gee, I think I see a solution. You know? <laughs> so, you know, this is what we have to do is, is see this as an opportunity to stand up and say, no, realise that all of our politicians are in abusive office. They're using this position to carry out a mass cull. Everything that they've done, all the dominoes they've set in place to break down the food chain, to stop all of the, everything that they're doing. They're even blowing up and burning food production facilities across the United States at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mysterious fires breaking out. Shutting down Ukraine, which is one of the major food producers, which is what a lot of this war is about. This whole war that Putin has launched right at the perfect time for the globalists to do what they want to do gives the globalists a chance to lock Putin out of the world economic system with, by removing access to the um, world reserve currency, which is what they've done. So this has caused everyone to lose confidence in the United States dollar. And I said years ago, this is how they're going to bring down the United States. And that's how you bring down the United States is you get it in a massive amount of debt and then you remove its position as the world reserve currency. Do that and it's all over for the United States. And that's what this move will do. That's why they've banned Putin from using it, because this is unprecedented. You can't ban one country from using the world reserve currency because you have different political views or you're at war with them or whatever. They didn't do that in World War II. They haven't ever done it in the history of the world before. So, you know, it's all going to have repercussions and it's all leading towards exactly the same end. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> and, and do you see with the Internet and all this automated things that we should, what, get off the internet or is there any hope well, of, of there might, transforming there might it? Can, there might be a way we can take control of the technology and there might, mm -hmm. there's still hope that there are enough people will wake up and pull these parasites out of power and we can, we can lead the technology where we want to lead it. But the problem is of, of us giving all our power to this technology and losing all of our life skills. Because what if it gets to the point where the internet does become fully autonomic then what happens then? That's when our relationship with the internet changes because we will no longer be in control of the internet. And if the internet has been constructed on an economic model, 
it is a, a brain that's been constructed by the neural nodes of the people who plug into it. And what do these people mostly do? They insult each other. They watch pornography. They do the most ridiculous things to each other. They yeah. indulge in the most ridiculous pastimes. So what is the internet going to think about humanity looking from the perspective of an artificial or a, a virtual life which has no empathy and has no soul, just looks at things in a very analytical manner? How is it going to choose to run humanity because humanity has decided to give all of our power to it. Yeah. I mean, what is the internet? The internet could be a great um, depository of information, um, a great communication tool, a way we can, we can book travel, book flights, we've got maps, we've got access to stuff. But we create all of these automatic systems. We create all of these automated um, personal assistants. We create all of these things that, that do everything for us. So we depend on the internet to run our lives for us. So this is, this is where we've, we've lost the path of wisdom. We've left the path of wisdom. You can't give control of your life over to an artificial system, which is not human. And more even these QR codes that people are, are scanning. I mean, what does this say? This is computer language. I've never scanned a QR code. I don't know what that is. I can't read that. I don't know what that says. I don't know what information is going to who. So... Well, it- yeah, it makes me shudder to think that this internet intelligence would be evaluating us by what we're putting up there because it would of course think it is. Oh, it, what, it would think we're some very inferior species for sure. Well, we think mean. about search engines. What does a search engine do? A search engine doesn't just give you results of what you're looking for. It tells the internet what you're thinking, what you're interested in. Right. You know? So that's why they create search engines. And, and what are people searching for? What are people searching for? Usually the most superficial things. Or they're searching for sex or, or whatever. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty drastic what we've done. I mean, we the way through this is either to take control of that technology and use the internet, turn it back into something that actually serves us, rather than giving all our power to it. And if we don't do that, and this is allowed to run its natural course, then human beings aren't going to have a very good life within this system. And the way to get through that is to disconnect from it completely and to live like the Amish and get back in touch with your life skills. And that's what we've been given the opportunity to do here, mm-hmm. I, would, I would suggest. And I think that is the best way forward because uh, this is like a train running for a cliff and I honestly can't see any way to stop this train. I mean, it's going to go to its natural conclusion now. So many people have taken this jab. The, the supply chains have already broken down. As much as I want to put a positive slant on things for people, I can't look at the world through rose-coloured glasses and say everything's going to be great without an extreme amount of difficulty in, in between. I mean, I think we're going to go to a good place in the end. I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. But I think well, there's a hell of a lot of ugliness we're going to have to get through before we get to that point. And it's going to be prepared to how much people are prepared to be human and take responsibility for their own lives and their own selves and their own tribes rather than waiting for someone, the internet or technology or Trump or Putin or anyone to come and save them. Mm-hmm. Well, that train analogy made me think of like you're going off the cliff and that's like you, you're either going to make a leap in consciousness or you're going down. You're going way down. Or you get off the train. Yeah, right. And, and the way to get off the train is technology. To, mm-hmm. You know, I've been telling people to throw away their smartphones for 10 years, saying to people the smartphone is the new world order. This is what is going to, they're going to use to create this barrier and they're going to get you addicted to all this stuff and you're not going to know how to put it down. And most people, when they check their phones 300 times a day, 
You know, they're addicted right. to things. They're addicted to dopamine. They, they measure their lives by the amount of pleasure they receive from each particular moment. And that pleasure is given to them through dopamine every time they click an icon on their phone, you know. So it, it programs people to, to, to um, view their lives by, as, as you know, their quality of life as opposed to how much pleasure they, they receive at any given moment, you know. So that's mm-hmm. why they get bored so quickly because there's so much action happening on these phones all the time, you know. Right. Well, I, I will say that I'm noticing more and more people who are leaning towards uh, doing meditation or spending more time in nature. I do see the, the pendulum swinging also the other direction. I just wish it would be more of them. Well, it, it, it'll get to a point where people, I mean, they'll see that. A lot of people have seen this has been a huge red pill for the whole world. It really has. And, and ultimately, I mean, when you look at the state of human consciousness, it, something like this had to happen. Yeah, how do you how do you purify human consciousness? How do you if this is a, a cleansing of the soul, if you will, how would you go about it? I mean, you give people the opportunity. Either you you believe the lie, you take the jab, you get genetically modified, you go into the mainframe, or you become human again. If you're going to be that dependent upon your the system, and you're prepared to take this jab in order to you know because you want to enjoy your life. I can't enjoy my life because I'm locked down because the only way I know how to enjoy my life is to go to these government designated enjoyment zones that they've created, go to their park or their theater or their restaurant or all the stuff they gave me to enjoy Mm -hmm. myself within their slavery system, within the pen that I live in. I've forgotten how to go down the beach and how to just go and have a drum circle or go grow some right. food with my friends or go to the mountains. Yeah. Or, or, uh, so, okay, you want to enjoy all that stuff? Well, okay, take, come into the system. But if you, want to, if you want to become human again, well, that's the opportunity that you've got. And if you become human, well, you know, whatever does make it through, whoever makes it through to the other side, it's going to be a very, very purified section of human consciousness, I think. And mm-hmm. in, in a way, I think we've reached a, a general overall collective state as of spiritual bankruptcy as a species that something like this had to happen. I mean, it, it literally had to happen. What, what can you say? Well, I, I certainly agree with you on that. And I can say uh, that the last three nights I spent, uh, I was out in the country and it was like, the stillness and the sounds of night birds and animal creatures at night and not a single car, not a single radio, not a music, just nature. And I felt how, what a privilege to actually be in a space like that because I live in a city and there's noise all the time. You know, if it's not noise on the computer, it's noise outside. And this connection with the earth and the full moon, it was so priceless and you really feel what it means to be a spirit in a human body. I, I really felt that awareness and I wish that for everyone to have that opportunity to feel the grace of being human, to put your feet on the earth and feel that the energy of the earth is also coming up. That, Like you were saying, we're energy beings and the earth is an energy being and that communion between us in this planet, we've become so disconnected from from the planet, from our source. You know, we're made of Earth. We are the living Earth, if you will. And, uh, oh, my goodness, you are such a warrior for truth. I really appreciate what you bring to our awareness. Thank you so well, thank much. You. 
Thank you, Don. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we're 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 facing a, a really really difficult path ahead. We really are. Um, and like I said, people have to remove emotional attachment from what they're going to witness over the next you know 12 months to two years. And the best, as I was saying before, the best form of pushback is like, like I said, the people in Shanghai just don't go into lockdown, don't do this stuff. You know, what they've done to the supply chains, I mean, most people are trucketarians, myself included. We live off food trucks. Unless you are completely self-sufficient, then you live off food trucks. And there's three days worth of food in any given shopping center. These um, shelves have to be restocked all the time. If the farms stop growing and the food, they stop producing it altogether, there's about three months worth of food on Earth, about 90 days. What we need to do is, is to just keep going. When, when they try to shut you down, if you're a food producer, if you're doing any of this, just say no. Just say no. All of these people are in, in abusive office, breach of office. It's like what your, your um, friend did in, that, in the ad there where you're talking about the bonding of the, of the mm-hmm. school teachers. And This is the same thing. All of these people are in abusive office. We employ these people to manage our infrastructure for us in a responsible manner, and everything that they've set up is about to come to pass. This incredible um, period of famine that we're about to enter into that's going to happen be- simply because we've complied. We've got to stop complying. We've got to get all of these supply chains back up and running. It's so important that we do this, that people see what the problem is. It isn't that Putin's invaded Russia. You can't shut the world down for two years and then have a little war right on cue and say, oh, that's why all the supply chains have broken down. I mean, it's ridiculous. People would even be buying into this. Mm-hmm. But that's what we have to do. People have got to start pushing back. They've got to stop complying. They've got to realize that we hold all the power. We hold the power of everything. Everything that happens on this earth, we make happen. Whether it's a big corporation or whatever, it's the people that work within that corporation. It's the people on the ground that do all these little jobs. If they just kept doing those jobs, well, you know, we could we could get out of this. We could find a way. We could realize what it means to be autonomous ourselves. We could find out that we are sovereign if we would just choose to keep going and move the world in the direction that we want to move it into. You know, and that's what I think this is an opportunity to do. So. We've got to stop waiting for people to come and save us and realize, like I said, we are the ones we've been waiting for. We've just got to step up and take responsibility for this moment and, and seize this moment and, uh, and own it where we are. Just own this situation. Well, those are beautiful insights to go to break with. You've been listening to The Other Side of the News, and our wonderful guest tonight is Max Egan giving us a a whole new perspective on virtual life and the internet and autonomic uh, systems and what we can do to take back our life, our, our souls, if you will. Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation and we will return just after the break. Keith. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. 
theothersideofmidnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Photo episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio or pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Seventy-two vaccines. Your children will get, um, as of right now, before they're eighteen, and that number is doubling very quickly in the near future. And guys, the thing that bothered me so much is I had no idea back then in 98 that there were a lot of people talking about vaccines. But what I know now and what I learned in 2010, and your listeners have to understand this, in 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And let me say that again. Um, 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. This should be very eye-opening to anybody out there because what they're telling you that now is if you vaccinate your children, you have to deal with the consequences because they've just told you that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And more so that now, in 2018, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Daniel Big Tree put in the Health and Freedom of Information Act to have the safety studies released, okay? If your listeners don't know this, in 1986, Ronald Reagan passed the Vaccine Injury Act, which said the vaccine companies are exempt of any and all liability. But Reagan said, look, if we're gonna give them blanket liability, we gotta at least make them do safety studies every other year. Not every year, but every other year. So they sued to have those safety studies released and we've always heard that vaccines are safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. But when they got the report back, it was 100% empty. Oh. Not one single safety study has been done on any of the vaccines since 1986. And this is, should be very, very, very disturbing to all you guys. And that's what began to wake me up as far as vaccines were my children back in 98 when the medical doctors couldn't give me the safety studies. Guys, this is Christopher Key. Never forget it. It's Christ Ofer. Christ is in me. He's in my name. Never forget my last name. It's Key, K-E-Y. God's given us the keys to unlock the doors that Satan never wanted unlocked. And we do it for our children. I so enjoyed the show tonight. The other side of the news is beyond fabulous.
other side of the news. And this evening's show is entitled Empire of Lies. And our guest this evening is Max Egan. And I kind of really, I, I totally have been interested in what we're, we've been discussing. And it's fascinating, but I really want to shift gears. Before I entirely shift gears, I want to say I can't agree more that each of us is responsible for our portion of this, our part. All of us have a part to play. And we really, we, we must stand up. We must not comply. We've been talking about, we've had this show on the air for over two years, and it's always been about do not comply. Stand up for your rights. And now is more critical than ever. And these, and being a human and, and taking responsibility for that and learning how to do these things or exercising skills that you've had that you haven't been using lately, these are all really important parts. But I want to go back to a time where this was actually, I think, part of people's lives. And when we had so many innovations because we were being human, or were we? And this is, this is an area that Max has, delved, has been delving into, and I'm, I'm just really curious. So I'm going to leave it a really open-ended question for you, Max. And I want to bring up the, the topic of Tartaria. And what would you say if somebody, because I was talking to a friend today, and they had no idea even what that was. So where would you start someone who really didn't know what we're talking about here? And yeah, take it away, whatever you'd like to talk about there. Well, it's such a huge topic. And there's so much um, pure speculation about what happened with uh, Tartaria. Tartaria, the concept of Tartaria, I mean, and to clarify, Tartaria is a, a landmass that uh, on a map in Europe, the European area, it encompassed um, most of uh, Eastern Europe and China and Russia and India and that whole kind of section. And from what we would know Europe to be, the, the small countries of Europe, you know, of, of Western Europe, it basically encompass the rest of that continent it's on uh, it's on maps and it, it appears to be a very very well-established culture and we find remnants of this culture all the way around the world there appears to have been a worldwide culture that was uh, a common culture commonly founded with uh, similar um, understandings of things similar architecture uh, similar technology that existed worldwide and that culture was wiped out quite recently um, somewhere between two to four hundred years ago completely wiped out um, a war that wiped out may have possibly gone on longer than that uh, that may have been the last kind of battle for it but there is every indication that there was a worldwide culture that people are calling Tartaria for want of a better name you know, as I pointed out before Tartaria is simply that landmass on the European continent, but um, there appears to have been a worldwide culture that existed right around the earth, a common language, which I would suggest was the uh, Magyar language, which is the root language of Hungarian. And it appears that this, this culture was everywhere. And uh, it's been expunged from our history and we had um, a completely different type of doing way of doing things. We had uh, a different way of, of energy, collecting energy. I mean, when you think of the concept of this being an electrical universe, you being an electrical being, uh, even when you start looking at um, the technology that is presented to us as being, 
invented by Nikola Tesla. This type of free energy, ethereal energy, if you will, and he apparently had a way of tapping into that. I even question, um, I mean, I'm sure he existed, but I even question some of the things that they say he invented, whether he was just put there for us to, to see, to explain away some of the uh, massive amounts of unexplainable technology that's around the earth. Like you say, oh, it's just, this Tesla guy did it and he never wrote anything down and we don't know how he did it. He was a freak of nature. No one's ever been able to do it again. I would suggest that the whole world actually ran on that type of technology in the previous culture that was here. And there's every indication, like in, in cities, common cities where we live, that this culture existed. This is a, a thing for me. It was a, a bit of pill to swallow being someone that had spent a lot of years looking at history and who traveled around the world. And you go, go, you want to look at ancient history, you go to places like Egypt, you want to look at the pyramids, you go to South America to look at Sacsayhuaman and the, the Mayan stuff, you know. You don't realize that this ancient culture exists in Sydney and Melbourne and London and New York and San Francisco. And, you know, it's, it's right here in our cultures. There's a previous culture that we came in and we built over this previous culture that was already here. Um, but, but we didn't, um, we didn't um, colonize a lot of these countries. You know, America wasn't colonized. It was, uh, we just took over the real estate and people took over the real estate that was already there, the buildings that were already there. The question is what happened to the previous culture? What wiped them out? Where did they go? Um, there's been a lot of investigation and it, information and and um, evidence that's come out to show that there was some type of cataclysm that flooded a lot of the world with a layer of soil people are calling it the mud flood we don't know what caused it we're finding buildings across europe that have another layer below ground that people didn't know was there finding this in melbourne finding it in sydney finding it in seattle finding it in italy finding it in france finding it pretty well all over the world so Something happened a couple of hundred years ago that buried uh, a whole layer of our culture and wiped out the previous culture that was here. Um, a lot of the research I've been doing, and a lot of people are going to trace this back and they say, oh, it was, a, it was a big war that was fought between the, you know, the Phoenicians or the Khazarians or whatever. I don't believe any, any of the history we're told anymore. I think a lot of these things are put there as red herrings to keep us distracted. Um, even with a lot of what's going on in the so-called truth movement, um, I think a lot of what we're given to research in the in the so-called truth movement put there as red herrings and stuff to keep us distracted as well. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that whatever caused this massive destruction that we're calling the mud flood, whatever it was that wiped out the civilization that we're calling Tartaria, this, this ancient culture that was there, um, it may well have also changed the weather and changed the climate and destroyed the weather systems on Earth. Uh, the weather on Earth is very, very controlled. All the weather on Earth is controlled. Uh, and you can see this. There's a lot of evidence to show that it's controlled. It's mainly controlled through Doppler radars and things. I think there's a lot of misdirection to... Uh, even, even when you look at climate change, the whole concept of climate change, man-made climate change, are we changing the climate? Well, the climate was changed, I think, 100 years ago or 200 years ago into something 
uh, incredibly unfriendly and that fact has been covered up and they've been controlling the weather ever since and blaming us for it saying oh this is man-made climate change and it's getting worse and worse and worse the only reason this is happening is because they did something that destroyed this ancient culture and it destroyed a lot of our climate at the same time and they're using that same technology in their attempts to repair the climate which is further degrading the climate and moving us into this complete breakdown of everything that we're having now so you know there's, there's lies within lies and conspiracies within conspiracies and red herrings within red herrings and distractions and misdirection within everything but um there's every indication i mean i've got probably gone off on a lot of tangents and right off topic but um <laughs> there's a lot of evidence to suggest there was an ancient culture and something really really major happened that wiped this culture out and we're still suffering the repercussions of it now um, and like I said, there's so much misdirection in this. So much of the, of the so-called truth movement is controlled. This is why I associate with very, very few people within the movement anymore. I don't like to, to call names with people and, and cast aspersions on people. And, and so I just, I just step away from it altogether. Um, I, I don't know who to trust within it anymore. I don't know what um, research to really believe because a lot of it I've, I've never... You know, you, you kind of believe what people tell you without researching it yourself. Like all the claims of of harp being used to control the weather. Um, the information we find on harp is that it's an atmospheric heater that was used to um, perhaps try to burn some sort of a hole in the ozone layer. Perhaps it's uh, whether it's doing um, actually creating holes in the ozone layer or not, whether the ozone layer is even what they tell us or not. I mean, this is another thing. But I can't find any evidence, for example, that harp is being used to control the weather. Um, we'll see these hurricanes break out in certain places and we'll see certain actions in the clouds and people will go, oh, that's harp. Well, is it actually harp? Or is it Doppler radar electromagnetics coming out of Doppler radar stations, which are all around the Earth? There is so many Doppler radars around the Earth that are electromagnetic stations. And I think these things are what are controlling the weather, but nobody looks at them. Nobody looks at the um, power. Have you ever looked at the work of, there's a woman, she had a channel called Weather War 101 on YouTube. She disappeared about four years ago or five years ago. Um, perhaps she died or something, I don't know. But she pointed out that all of the, the big power stations produce so much steam are actually manufacturing clouds. And that these Doppler radars are dotted near these power stations all the way around the earth. And that these are actually weather stations. These are what they are using to create create all the flows, all the all the weather. It's all been created by these these Doppler radars because they did something that destroyed the weather systems. I would suggest okay. when they destroyed Tartaria. So, so this brings me to the next question, which is the question that I always come up with is, who's they? You know, that's a good question. That's a good question. Well, I've often, I mean, people can say, well, it's the Jews, it's the small hats, it's the, it's the Khazarians. And I think there's a period of time when, when there were certain elements within those, those uh, people that did bad things. But I think, and I even wonder whether there's land here that we don't know about, whether there's a race that we don't know about. Um, I mean, even if you want to blame the Khazarians or the Jews or the Freemasons or the Jesuits or even the Bolsheviks, when you look at the Bolshevik Revolution, um, it's it's kind of convenient. It's it's almost like these things are put there to give us our two minutes hate. And I've always said if it's if it's there and you can see it, 
then it's not what's in control. It's not what's in charge. There's so much talk of this whole Jewish conspiracy, and I think there's a lot to it, but I think there's something beyond that as well. I'll get trolled for saying that, of course, because it's part of the programming. You, you have to say it's the Jews or you get trolled. There can't be anything higher than that. But I would, I would think when you look at the world now, I mean, you could, if you think it's the Jews or you think it's the Freemasons or you think it's the Jesuits or you think it's reptiles, you think it's aliens, whatever you think it is, we're at a point now where you could remove all of them from the earth. Okay, take out all the Jews, all the Freemasons, or get, get them all out of society. It's gone. We've got it back in our control now. Now it's the technology that's running it, and it's the huge corporations that are making the technology and the profits that they're making out of the technology, and the technology is building its own control system now. It's gotten to the point where like artificial intelligence, in a, in a way, is already here. I even wonder if that's what happened to touch area, whether it was, was some sort of an AI thing, whether this technology is already here, whether any of the technology we're using is even new. You know, when I look at the legends of the scrying mirrors and the sigils for summoning demons, which are all electrical circuitry, and the scrying mirrors are a perfect description of cell phones and computer screens, you know, why do these legends exist if they haven't used this technology before? Is that what happened? Was it some sort of an electro electromagnetic thing that caused this, this mud flood? And even, even some of the remnants of... Um, old cultures that we find even around Florida and the Everglades, there's certain places where there's buildings that have never been built and yet you can find old telegraph poles in there, old electrical systems. <laughs> oh, what are they doing cats, there? The cats were excited about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah what are those things doing there? What are all these things doing there? Why do they look like they're old canal systems in the Florida Everglades and stuff like this? If there wasn't a previous culture here that got wiped out before this one, and if they were building things like that, like canal estates and, and they had electrical poles and things, um, some of the buildings that they, you see across Europe, how on earth did they build any of those things? That huge sewer system beneath um, San Francisco, who built that? What, the settlers during the gold rush? Really? When they populated California, went out on their wagon trains and they populated and built little San Francisco, they just thought, well, let's build this huge multi-story sewer system beneath this little village we're building here as we're populating the country, as you do. I mean, you know, none of it makes sense. None of our history makes sense no. at all. So, no, it doesn't. But who they are, I mean, so I can blame the banking system. I can blame the cartels. I can blame this whole Jewish control system that's been there. But like I said, I think there's something behind that. There's something more behind that. And now it's, it's, the, it's the, the companies themselves, and it's our use of the technology. We've, we've lost the path. We've, we've left the path of... of enlightenment and even looking for information even without in the truth community searching for the answers for things we, we crave information 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 and what information well who to blame who can i point the finger at anybody but myself who can i point the finger at? you know and we've left the path of wisdom because while we're doing that we're not realizing that all of this technology we're using is leading us into this ai system itself and it's our use of the technology and you can't stop this, this train that's rolling down this track unless you jump off the train. So you've got to stop using the technology because you can't blame anyone now. It's, it's now us. Now it's, it's us having left the path of wisdom for our need for information. And we want to know how everything works. We want to know everything about everything, all stuff that we don't really need to know. All we really came here to, to find out about was ourselves. And most people don't even know that. They don't know anything about themselves. They've never figured out who they are, never done the inner work, never faced the shadow, which has caused the shadow. 
to build in the world. They've never really looked at themselves. They want to know everything about everybody else and who to blame for their predicament, but they won't ever just look at themselves and be themselves and say, is what I'm doing, does it serve me? Does it serve being a human? Is this what I am doing to the best of my potential? Is that really what I came here to have this experience for? Or is going to eat at Wendy's and, and read magazines every day? Is that what it's all about? You know? I mean, for God's sake, humanity, wake up to yourself. This is, this is the opportunity for you to do that. You've got to become human again now, and you've got to face that shadow, and you better damn well do it, because if you don't, you're going to go where you're being led, and you've got no one to blame but yourself, which is every reason why you have to have your two minutes hate to hate the Jews, or hate the Jesuits, or hate the Freemasons, or hate all these people that did all these things in the past that you were never in, that you only even know about because you've read all these books, and you don't even know if they're true because you were never there. But you're not experiencing yourself the whole time, which is exactly what you came here to do. And you're missing out on that. Might be a clue there. You exist. Could be something in that. Perhaps you're supposed to look there. Why do you think you have this vessel? Why do you think you have this mind? I mean, you know, it's pretty simple when you look at it. Wow. Well, that's an answer. (laughs) Oh, boy. I, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying. So that, that would bring you to, okay, so we're there, and you're saying, well, you know. Well, the thing is, what they've done with this world, what they've done with this world is, is they've created a mirror of the old world. I went right off topic with all that. But, no, no, I mean, no, actually, you're right on topic, because but, you, but what I want to get to is, like, what we can do right now from where we're standing. Um, see, what they've done is they've created a mirror of the real world. You know, when you think mm-hmm. of the free energy we had and all that sort of stuff, even when you look at the legends of the Vimana and the flying machines and all these sorts of things, which we can't fly anymore because we don't have this, this spiritual understanding, we don't have this spiritual knowledge, we're out of touch with, with the real energy of the earth and we're, we're into this mirror world. What we can do now is disconnect from this mirror world. Like I said, this train is heading for the cliff. I can't see any way of stopping this train unless there's a huge uprising. But there's, there's so much distraction now that you're not going to see that. So what you need to do is do the inner work, get in touch with your life skills, find your tribe, and disconnect from this system as much as you can because it's going to get to a point, if we don't stop this, that you're not going to be able to use the internet. You're not going to be able to use your digital currency. You're not going to be able to have all of this instant communication online unless you get your government digital passport and you're going to need your jab and to be genetically altered in order to do that. So you're going to be given a choice. So you know, you, you've got to spread information and you've got to get back in touch with your life skills because there's going to, if we don't stop this you know, it's the train's going to run off the cliff and you've just got to be able to come through that tunnel on the other side you've got to be able to remove all emotional attachment for what you're going to see unfold over the next 12 months to two to three years and you've got to be prepared to face infinity without flinching no stake in the outcome and just walk through that shadow of death until you get to that light at the end of the tunnel and it might seem negative, but that's really what it's going to come down to. If we don't stop this, if there isn't this mass uprising, and I don't know, are you seeing it? I'm seeing a lot of people waking up. But, uh, you know, even with the wake up, people will say, well, I can see the world's terrible now. So who do I vote for to fix it for me? They're not prepared mm-hmm. to do it themselves. You know, they're not prepared to change their perspective and simply do the right thing and all that they do. Step into their moral compass. Don't comply with any legislation which causes you to step outside that moral compass. If the whole world did that, we'll change it in a day. question is, who's ready to do that? Because that's really the only way out. No, I totally agree with that. I, I think, well, I actually, I totally agree with that. And I do see people waking up, and I do see people stepping forward that never would have before. 
um, people that are, you know, going up for election, et cetera, to, that would, would never have considered it, but also they've never had the opportunity to. So I, I do see a little bit more positive, but I also see this whole thing like, yeah, so many people have lost touch uh, from, I mean, the most basic life skills, the most basic. Uh, and, and so, yeah, we're, we're, we've got this multi-headed beast and that we have, we have little, we have not much to work with as far as our history is all messed up. Um, and, you know, we're not, we're not, we're, I mean, I think that they did all the subterfuge, all of the obfuscation of our history, et cetera, was to keep us off course, to keep us off base. So we would be looking at that. We, you know, we've gotten well, to the point that we're, we're all we're doing is, is working so hard just to survive, you know, um, it doesn't leave much time for, for all the rest of this stuff, uh, which is the important things, you know, like figuring out who, who and what you're here for. Well, yeah, like um, I said, I mean, that's why they've taken our history from us, so we'll spend so much time looking for information. You know, like I said, we, we value information over, over wisdom. You know, a lot of the stuff we know, but we don't believe in ourselves, so we look for validation by, by researching and searching for information to validate what we really know inside if we would just believe in ourselves, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I suffer from that. I, I, yeah, I am a bottomless pit. I always want to know more, 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 more. I mean, I was conditioned to always think that that was valuable it, to know more, to know more. Mm. But I find that. But in do you reality, know yourself? You know. Well, I, I think I do better than a lot of people. I don't know that I really do, um, but I know that. I, when I'm really happy, I'm not doing any of the things that I'm actually in the moment doing something that's, you know, maybe it's just washing dishes and feeling the, the soap suds. Maybe it's just feeling the sun hit, you know, and, and enjoying that moment, which isn't, which isn't any of these things of searching out information or trying to figure out the history or it's just being alive and enjoying that process of being in a body you know, tasting food and really enjoying it. I don't know. It is. I had, um, I had a, a moment like a, a, a few weeks ago where I had, I, had, I went somewhere and I, I couldn't use the internet basically for three weeks. So I had to disconnect and mm -hmm. I got so much healing from not being connected online and not having access to information and not, um, and it made me wonder how much of this do we create ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I see nothing to fear about the impending collapse of this slavery system but I think so many people are dependent upon it now that it's it's going to freak them out when it does go down because they're going to shut it down. I mean, they'll have their cyber polygon and their cyber attack or whatever. And um, people have got to see what this is. This is a, a huge opportunity for you to regain your own personal sovereignty and to disconnect from this altogether. And that, I think, is is what we're going to have to do. I think it's it's actually going to come to that where you're going to have to be prepared to disconnect. I mean, maybe we can create our own internet, our own communication system, but I think this one is going to cease to service if it continues um, going along in its current direction. Well, there's, there's uh, like right now, I personally, I'm suffering from extraordinary fatigue, and I think a lot of that is self-induced. I have had trouble letting go, shutting off, you know, not constantly searching. and It's addictive as I'll get out. Okay, so for me, um, and and so I'm actually kind of, this sounds really not good, <laughs> I'm actually kind of looking forward to that time. It's like, 
I want that cut off, you know, and I, and I'm wondering if, uh, how many people are in this position and, and don't have the strength of character to just cut it off from themselves. Like, I don't, I swear up and down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to do any research and I do it anyway. So, you know, I don't know. These are all, all ideas that we won't answer in tonight's show, but it's, it's a concept. But anyway, yeah, I, I think back of this whole thing of this, this lifestyle and this experience that, that clearly was going on on the planet before and how, yeah, what, what that was like to have free energy. I mean, we have this whole system, this whole debt slavery and all that. A lot of it's built on this idea that we have to pay for this energy. So, you know, what happens when we don't have to, you know, uh, are we going to get to that place? I don't know. In our lifetime? I don't know. Quite possibly so. we will. You never know. We will. I mean, I think we're at the end of Kali Yuga and things have to implode before we can reach the state of spiritual awareness that we would have access to that type of energy. We can't do it in our current state of consciousness. That's the problem. So, you know, it, it, it has to happen this way. This is how consciousness has to cleanse itself. And uh, what I say, where you really, when you look at the overall scheme of things and how society has degraded in the last century, I mean, I think this had to happen. I agree. And we're right at the bottom of the hour, so we're ready to go to break. But we will be back with our fabulous guest, Max Egan. And tonight's show is The Empire of Lies. And I am Annetta, and I'm co-hosting with Timothy Saunders and Cynthia. We shall return. My background in education is in uh, evidence-based medicine and research methods out of the University of Toronto. Graduate school there, then I went on to Oxford in evidence-based medicine. And then on to my master, my doctorate, and postdoc in evidence-based medicine. I also did some certificate program at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore in biological warfare, weaponization of pathogen in 2001 basically how you would take viruses, bacteria, etc. Any type of pathogen in and weaponize them, put them on a missile, to use them for nefarious means. And I wanted to learn as an epidemiologist in case my city or my country, just to understand how it works and if that can be done. I was working at the WHO, Pan American Health, mid-2019, and then we started to get these cases out of Italy in January, February. These, these images on the television of people dropping dead. I'm speaking to you honestly, as a scientist, but openly. Those images out of China were fake. That was part of this game, scared the world. At that time, WHO asked me to change my position and to become a pandemic advisor to them because they were the global agency and they didn't know what was going on. Because of my training in evidence-based medicine and uh, research methods in clinical epidemiology, they wanted me to help them understand what was coming out of China and Italy. So I actually was connected to WHO and PAHO at the beginning of the COVID outbreak. And a lot of their messaging was from me. People like me behind the scenes, we took a lot of beating from the press, hammering, because we were calling for a balanced age-rich stratified approach. 
damage had already been done by Fauci and Books. It was Fauci and Books' lockdowns that harmed America, killed people. Many people died in America because of their lockdowns. It was Fauci refusal to admit and to recognize the potency of early outpatient treatment. But the groups I work with now, like Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Peter McCullough, etc., we champion early treatment and we have, you know, the treatment plans and stuff where you treat the infected high-risk person early, prevents hospitalization and death. Fauci and they damaged us in that regard. They will refuse to recognize the antivirals. We have estimates now of the 750,000 Americans, quote-unquote, who may have died from COVID. About 700,000 will be alive today, 90%. Oh. And that's our math when we look at the data. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans died because of the NIH and the CDC refusal to allow doctors to prescribe early outpatient treatment. I have many, I know many doctors, many of them across America, right now fighting their state boards and stuff for their licenses. Their licenses have been stopped or pulled. Their treatment was being fired because they prescribed early treatment that was helping their patients. I'm Dr. Paul Alexander, and uh, I have really thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to be on the other side of the news because it has shown me to be one of the forums that's probably one of the only forums that allows one to be fully expressive and to, uh, and to share how they really feel about the events um, in the hopes of sharing with a larger audience and an exchange of ideas so that people can become much more informed and understand the situation around them for their own decision-making. So I am very thankful of this opportunity for the other side of the news. And welcome back. You're listening to the other side of the news. Tonight's edition is entitled Empire of Lies. And our guest is Max Egan. I'm Kinti Saunders. Annette is there. And Kinti is also with us this evening. So... Just to carry on with the, the flow, uh, fascinating questions there and answers, Max. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've, I've lived in many, uh, many different countries uh, over, over my lifetime. And I think that's enabled me to see the difference between what is British, British culture, what is the line. I've lived in France, I've lived in Holland, I've lived in Turkey. Uh, United States for some time, a shorter time. But having seen and experienced on a sort of a, a day-to-day basis, I think it's easier to see what is the same and what is different in the cultures. I mean, it, that is, sounds so obvious, but I think that enabled me to, I guess, have one foot in the system. Um, I need to earn money, I need to eat, I need to pay rent and so on. And also one foot out of the system, which is kind of where I prefer to be. But on the other hand, you know, until I actually have my own farm, growing my own food and, and totally self-sufficient, I still need to have the other foot in the system. So I guess what, what I'm coming to is there are many people uh, who, who may be with both feet in the system, as well as yeah, people both feet out of the system. And it's, it's very easy to, you know, focus on other people and, and as you say, sort of uh, point fingers, 
you point one finger at somebody, you point three fingers back at yourself. But it's very easy to point at other people who are, you know, what we affectionately call sheep, you know, sheep on a conveyor belt. Uh, but it just seems as long as we, we stay in the system, as long as we're addicted to this material that just keeps on coming our way, whether it's Putin or the Ukraine or whether it's COVID or whether it's inflation or whether it's Brexit or whatever it is, it's just, it just goes on and on. It, it's never, never ending because it's perfectly tailored for our ongoing addiction. I mean, another analogy is maybe we're all like a cat that's, you know, absolutely fascinated with a, a laser pointer. We just can't leave it alone. You know, we just have to keep running around and chasing after it and trying to put your paw on it. it it's just, you know, it, it's just the best thing. So it, it's very difficult for people to break out of the system and to see, to see it, you know, the world for what it is. And I'm, I'm just very curious to know, Max, I, I've noticed that from some of your, um, your conversations, you mentioned ayahuasca. And I'm wondering if, I'm not suggesting everybody go out tomorrow and, and take ayahuasca, but I'm fascinated, I'm curious to learn um, if you can share any information about ayahuasca. Is, is that perhaps... Is that perhaps the great reset? Is that the thing that sort of returns all of our individual systems back to normal and uh, give us 2020 vision? Ayahuasca can be useful for some people. You've got to understand ayahuasca is a very ancient medicine. And in days past, if you had a problem in your life, the shaman would view this as, as generally being an energetic problem. If you've got a problem in your life, if you've got a sickness or some emotional disturbance or whatever, it's usually something that you've done because you haven't interacted with this earth in the correct way. And you would go to see the medicine man and the medicine man would actually drink the ayahuasca and he would have the visions and then he would tell you what you needed to do to go and heal yourself. Um, perhaps some plant would volunteer to be a medicine for you. The shaman would know and he would use that and rah, rah, rah. And he'd tell you, you have to go and do this and put that crystal back where you took it from or whatever, you know. So um, that's the way I used to work. Then recently they, they brought the medicine out of the jungle and they started giving it to Westerners because they wanted westerners to understand that they are destroying the spirit of the earth with their technology with their um, industry and if they're not stopped and, and they don't stop the path if western society doesn't stop the industrial path that it's on and this quest for knowledge over wisdom as i said um, then um, it's going to lead to the destruction of all life on this earth so they brought the medicine out of the jungle to give it to people as a kind of a crash course in reality to um, you know, to help people understand what actually exists beyond visible light and what the energetic nature of this this world is, and how many spirits are actually trapped here in this realm because of past transgressions, um, as kind of a warning for us not to do that. I mean, ayahuasca is like doing you know thirty years of therapy in in four hours, <clears throat> but is it for everybody? One of the first things that I learned, I mean, I've done ceremony a number of times, quite a, quite a few times, um, mainly because people have wanted me to drink with them. I used to stay on an ayahuasca retreat. I've got a tambo on a 
retreat in Peru that I like to go and spend time with just because I like it there, not because I particularly partake in the medicine, just because I, I like the area. I like the sloth and the monkeys and stuff. But people used to ask me to drink a lot. But something that I learned on the very first ceremony that I ever did in ayahuasca, the, the mother or whatever you want to call it, a lot of people refer to it as a mother because it's a female energy. She said to me that I'm always here. You don't have to drink the medicine in order to commune with me. You don't need to drink the medicine in order to be in touch with the spirit of this earth. You have the ability to do this all the time. I'm just uh, the catalyst showing you how. And that was something that really stuck with me and was really profound. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, is is that the answer? I don't don't think any of these things are really the answer to anything. It may be a, a, um, a, a good way of guidance for people if they really want to understand themselves and realize that there is more to reality. Um, I would recommend something like ayahuasca much more than anything like LSD or psychedelics or anything like that. I don't consider ayahuasca to be a psychedelic. I consider this to be a medicine which opens your pineal gland and uh, puts you in touch with things that exist outside visible light. You can see more of reality through the influence of this this medicine, but it's it's mainly for doing the inner work. So, but like I said, it's not for everybody. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I think these plant medicines have played a pretty interesting and integral part in our in our history and in our psychological makeup and in the creation of our art systems and our knowledge. But um, whether it's any way of, of uh, escaping from this mess we're in now, uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting escaping. I, I'm thinking that the inner work is probably... Well, the inner work. Most, most people could, could benefit from. Well, they could. Uh, they could. I mean, everybody could. But it, the, the thing is, you don't actually need the medicine to do it. I mean, I, I encourage people to take ayahuasca. I encourage people to use Cambo. I mean, I use Rappé all the time still. Um, I mean, Rappé is very non-psychoactive. It's just a tobacco snuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a, it's a highly uh, protective medicine. And um, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I, like I said, I recommend a lot of people do ayahuasca. I, I, I've had some wonderful experiences on it. I've had a lot of growth on it. And I know a lot of people who've had it. it's completely changed their lives. They've, they've realized who and what they are. Like I said, it's like 30 or 40 years of therapy in three or four hours. I mean, you don't get this from going to some guy with a little white coat on and a paper on his wall, you know. This is really deep inner stuff. It peels away the layers of your personality like an onion and it shows you the stuff that you really don't want to look at. It's a great way of people doing this shadow work and that is something that needs to be done now. So, yeah, I mean, perhaps it would help a lot of people and um, perhaps if, if politicians had to drink ayahuasca before they went to office, perhaps they wouldn't do the things they do now, you know. If only, yeah. But if what, only. I, yeah what I picked up on just now, it's, I think it's very interesting, is that you said they, I think you were talking about uh, maybe indigenous people in, in South America who are allowing the medicine to come out to the West, or come out to the uh, more sort of industrialized humans. Um, now that's a different day, isn't it? That's not well, a day. It's a different day, yeah. Well, yeah. That's definitely a different uh, day. So, so you acknowledge that there is a positive day and there's a negative day? Well, a day is anybody outside the immediate conversation, really, isn't sure. it? Sure, sure. <laughs> But I mean, we all tend to do it, don't we? They they say you know margarine is healthy. They say uh, olive oil is more healthy. It, 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 yeah, it's yeah. something which human nature does. But yeah. I, I think I picked up when you said that I had a vibe that that was very much a positive thing. 
Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, but they the, the Shipibo, the people in the jungle, they know. They see their environment disappearing. They see the old ways disappearing. They see the old medicines disappearing. And if these things disappear, this is knowledge that will never ever be found again. I mean, how did they even get this knowledge to begin with? The knowledge of how to how to even mix the the kapi vine with the with the shikuna and and to to use the cambo and and all the stuff they do. How did how did they ever come up with this knowledge? And so much of that has been lost now, like with the destruction of the Mayan culture, the destruction of so many ancient cultures, the destruction of Tartaria. So much information has been lost. If we lose the information of the, the medicines contained within the plants and what they can really do, well, we're going to lose a hugely, hugely beneficial part of humanity and a hugely, um, you know, just an amazing thing. And it will be knowledge that we'll, we'll never get back because no one will ever be looking for it. Well, it, it's, be, only, um, it's only going to take a few more generations before it is, it's a distant dot on the horizon. I mean, it, it is in plain sight, even if we look at ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. The, uh, is it the lotus flower is apparently a very uh, powerful hallucinogen um, when, when taken correctly. So, I mean, again, you know, even ta- uh, that, that culture in a completely different part of the world, um, obviously came to a, a, yeah, obviously, obviously, according to our history books, uh, attained a high level of society at some point, but we don't really know, but there it is in plain sight, you know, there, there is a symbol, you know, we have these um, Sumerian uh, sculptures or wall reliefs, I've, I've seen them in Istanbul in museums, incredible work, I mean, this is how many thousands of years old, I don't actually know, I mean, I can read the sign in the museum, but in reality, how old is that? And what are these pine cone looking uh, items they're holding in their hands in a very specific way as if they're fine tuning or, or trying to receive a, or tune into a, a radio station that is just on the crisp of you know, the, the edge of you know, the, the frequency. They're all holding this very, they're also holding these, uh, I think what Graham Hancock calls uh, stash bags. And the same stash bags show up in, in Easter Island. So it, it, what I'm trying to get to is our ancient history, our, our, our distant ancient history was connected, or it seems to have been connected in ways which most people today are not even aware of. I mean, you know, what, what, is this, what does this symbol, this stash, stash bag mean? What is this pine cone looking thing? What is this? Is this lotus flower, it's just a beautiful decoration, or is it, it has a lot more meaning. It shows that person is perhaps a shaman. That person is uh, able to, to go into a different uh, mind state and, and understand, do the inner work, and perhaps advise people. There's a complete different reading of history than we read at school, than we learn at school. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's all wrong. Everything they teach us about history is wrong. It's, it's all, I mean, when you look at it and you, you factor in the concept of Tartaria and the fact that there was a worldwide culture that, that lived harmoniously with each other. Sure, we used to visit each other's shores, but we didn't, you know, do what we've done now. You know, we had, we had uh, a society that was cooperative and, and looked at things in a completely different way. And I believe we also had our own um, form of internet, our inner, inner internet, because our pineal glands were active, you know, so we could we could access the tryptophan and everything. Our instincts worked properly. 
you know, what we call instinct in animals and things. So how you know, we are able to communicate with all reality. This is something that you can do with ayahuasca. You can communicate with the with the rocks and the trees and the stones and everything else. It it seems to come alive. It's it's like um, the world in, in it's depicted in Avatar. You know, where the whole earth is is energetically connected. Yeah, and you can access that energy because you have that inner technology to do it, which is why the pineal gland was so revered because that is your access to the inner technology. That's your access to the internet that exists within reality, which is why we've taken to this false internet, this mirror internet they've given us so readily, this instantaneous communication. It's so natural for us to do this because we can do it far better without this clunky wires and, and stuff that they've given us to do. If we weren't using this type of energy that we're using, this this um, coal-powered generated electricity, and we were actually accessing the real electricity all around us that we made from, you know. I mean, today people say, you know, if if this happens, you know, if Putin's new intercontinental ballistic missile with 75 warheads and everything, if that gets used, then we'll go back to the Stone Age, and that typical phrase, we'll go back to the Stone Age. I think probably maybe what happened is that we went back to the fossil fuel fuel age after a previous level of society. I mean, we started with, you know, fossil fuels and coal and, and oil. We started and pulling, wires and, pulling the blood out of the earth, um, burning coal and things. I don't think we need any of this to generate energy. I would suggest that coal and oil are not fossil fuels, though. I think oil is abiotic. It's uh, it's not anything like what they tell us. I don't believe uh, there would be a fuel crisis either. Um, oil should be the cheapest fuel on earth, and we could burn it without pollution. But you know, everything's been contrived to be the way it is, brother. Well, in fact, yeah, we <laughs> the whole things are set up. I mean, there's something you go to. You can't say anything these days anymore because you say fossil fuels are up. So I want to pick you up on that. Not the not fossil. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I don't mean fossil fuels, but that's what we call it. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I mean. So yeah. it's, um, you just got to understand everything's a lie. It's all a lie. Everything is so wrong. Everything is so different to what they tell us. If people really knew the truth, they would probably, their minds would implode. And the truth is so bizarre. The real truth is so bizarre. What is really going on on this earth is so bizarre and so different to what people think that you can never tell them because they won't believe you. You know, what you need to do, this is why I've spent most of the last 15 years encouraging people to ask questions. You know, I, I make very few blanket statements and say this is. I mean, I, I tend to not believe too many things. I just allow things to unfold and present themselves as truth and then it doesn't require any belief because once you know something, you don't need to believe it. You just know it. But um, real, real truth needs to be realized. It can never be told. And so you've got to encourage people to ask the right questions because when they ask the right questions, the real answers, the right answers will present themselves to them by default. But they just they just don't ask the right questions because... They don't really believe in themselves and they don't really believe in themselves enough to ask the questions that they really want to ask. They think that they have to think inside this little box and so they tend to police themselves. They allow their friends to police their own thoughts. They wouldn't want some of their friends to think they're weird by thinking or asking weird questions after all. I mean, let's face it, no one wants to hang around with someone who's weird, one of these weird conspiracy theorists who thinks too much, acts like he's a little bit too smart. Nobody wants to hang around with someone smarter than themselves. 
so we sort of um, we we undergo this this kind of self-inflicted intellectual mental nose job designed to lower our intellectual and spiritual profile to the point that we can fit in with the people around us you know and that's that's the problem that we face as a species so we need to overcome this little hump and um and start believing in ourselves again because that's where all the answers are you know often when we even go down a rabbit hole to look for information so you're investigating the pedophiles in hollywood or whatever 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 the tartaria whatever you know Ultimately, you're going down this rabbit hole because you know inside that what you're looking at is true. You know it's the truth. You know that it's real, but you don't believe in yourself. So you go down this rabbit hole because you want validation for all these things that you actually know. And if you were to just believe in yourself, you would you would find out what the answer is. I was, I was going to say that the, the, the way society has been informed at the moment, not informed, but formed at the moment, is to remove it, this cancel culture. So therefore, it's difficult to validate an instinct mm. with anything because it's been removed. It's, it's mm. like, you know, look at what's happening today with Russia. Everything Russian that can be cancelled is cancelled. Mm. I, mm. I, I saw... But you know the answers inside yeah. yourself without even looking. That's the thing. This is what I'm trying to say. See, when you look at the whole concept of the predator mind and what it is that causes us to do the things we're doing and what, what it is that they're harvesting from us, why they play with our emotions so much, create so many problems in our lives, it's because they want us to solve those problems. They want to create all these little things in your life that go wrong so that you'll have to fix it. They want you to go down the rabbit hole so you'll have all these little aha moments because that's what they take from you, that little aha moment, that little piece of loose energy is what they take from you. So if, if you can understand when you're going down these rabbit holes and you're looking at this stuff that so you're only going down there because you're looking for validation for that which you already know. And when you find this validation, don't have the aha moment, just observe it. Just observe the fact that you were correct, the fact that you already knew this and take away that little piece of energy that you're feeding that predator mind because when you do that, you can free yourself of the predator. And then you can have these incredible moments of enlightenment. This is why I always use the phrase that you've got to be able to face infinity without flinching, which is the knack of being able to observe and face with serenity odds and circumstances that are not included in your calculations, which also includes when you're going down the rabbit hole looking for information. Understand what you're looking for is validation for something that you already know. That's why they call it research because you've been here before and you've done these searches before. But now you've got to do your research and do your research and keep researching until you figure it out that all you really had to do was believe in yourself to begin with. You do that and you free yourself of the predator mind and things become self-evident. And, and soon you'll, you'll, you'll wonder about something and you'll just see it around you and it'll become self-evident. And you don't have to do any research because you already did the searching, because the searching is all around you in the way you observe the world. If you just look at it through the right eyes and realize that this is, this is what your eyes are doing, they're observing. But we're not, we're not looking at it that way. We're just taking in the picture and taking in the movie. We're not really observing what we're seeing. You know, we're, we're, we're controlled by what we think reality is, by our, our belief in the language and the way we're taught to think in language. You spell your reality. You're taught to spell. You think everything you look at fits within a certain box and sits within this. You're not really observing reality just in this basic form and it's flux for what it is. When you do that, things start to become self-evident and you don't need to research anymore. You see how this works? Indeed. 
indeed. I mean, uh, people who say, oh, it's impossible, there's no such thing as Tartaria, there's, it, it cannot have happened like this. But I mean, look at the thing today. I mean, the cancel culture, people are trying to cancel Russia. And yeah. let's just say, wind it forward. I mean, it can go one of a few different ways. You know, according to the West, uh, Zelensky is still asking for shitloads of money. God knows what for and God knows where it's going. Um, well, he said he wants to turn the place into a, into a greater Israel, I believe. But, yeah, um, but I mean, he, he's, he's asking, bringing people to Kiev, apparently, uh, to ask them for money and says that, you know, they're planning on if they work hard, they can take uh, Mariupol. And as far as I know, that, that's, that's it's a done deal. It, it, apart from the, uh, the steel factory, that, that place is taken. It's history. That, that's, that's under Russian control at the moment. But again, if you look at CNN, You'll hear a different story. So cancer culture is king at the moment. And that's why it's so important. Everybody looks at themselves, does the inner work, research, do your own due diligence and come up with, with uh, a real conclusion. I mean, look at Gonzalo Lira. I mean, I've been listening to this guy for only a few weeks, but he disappeared a week ago. He's now back. Uh, but apparently he was saying things that the Ukrainians didn't like. So they arrested him for a week. Um, but the great thing is he is still alive, or certainly was yesterday. Uh, but some of his other uh, YouTube um, commenters, commentators, are not so lucky. Um, I, I saw an independent news that there's another one who I won't mention his name right now, but he ended up in a yeah a car with bullet holes through through the windows. So it, it's cancel culture is an incredibly ugly. Uh, of life and I think that's one of the things that we need to cancel directly we need to do the inner work and we need to be real and self-sufficient anyway I'm rambling so uh, <laughs> Max would you like to say anything before we close the show that's all good um, thanks for having me on it's been a pleasure to come and chat with you all again and um, like I said when you when you can can remove attachment to the outcome and realize you don't need to do research you already know these answers it's, it's like a form of gnosis. I mean, we know what the end result is. We know what they desire. Once you know what they desire, you know where they're going. If you can really tap into things and, and just believe in what you know, like I said, it becomes a form of gnosis and um, everything becomes self-evident. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. If anyone wants to check out my work, they can go to thecrowhouse.com and we'll come back and have a chat another time. Thank you very much, Max. Look forward to the next one. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, activists, healers, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda to make your own independent research, stop acquiescing, and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power. You wake up each day with power entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away you've been listening to another live broadcast of the other side of the news this 96th edition entitled empire of lies and remains available at www.theothersideofthenews.com my name is timothy saunders and together with kintia and anessa driscoll offer special thanks to our return guest max egan our listeners contributors and our sound engineer keith morgan we wish you all a very positive week I look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night.